You're listening to the Informal Bible Study, a casual and applicational look at the Scriptures. I'm John Stonge, and it's good to have you with us today. In just a few moments, we're going to be talking about the concept of the affections of our hearts and what grabs the affections of our hearts. But a couple quick things before we take a look at today's Scripture. First off, I want to express a huge thank you to those of you who have left ratings or reviews for the podcast this past week. Greatly appreciate it. It's helping us connect with new listeners, and we love doing that. If you're a new listener listening to the show this week, uh, welcome. It's nice to have you with us. But I want to specifically thank those that uh, left uh, reviews for us this week, and as I checked iTunes, I noticed that we received a, a very nice five-star review from Chicken Man 22 That's a, that's a great uh, screen name, Chicken Man. <laughs> uh, so thank you, Chicken Man 22 for leaving us a rating, or excuse me, a review. And we also heard from BSTMI, who left us another uh, just wonderful review. Thank you guys so much for doing that. It's a huge help to us because what iTunes does is they... Uh, They promote podcasts that get good reviews. So when you leave reviews for us, you actually help us connect with new listeners who find us because of uh, the fact that you have triggered iTunes' algorithm to help promote the show. So I mention that because there are two quick ways that if you appreciate this podcast that you can help us with this ministry. One is, like I said, just leaving us a rating or review the next time that you're logged into iTunes. And the other is that you could become a supporter and help us underwrite the cost of our hosting and our production costs. And we encourage people that if they're able to do so, to just chip in a dollar. Uh, you don't have to give a hundred dollars or a million dollars, although I won't stop you if you choose to do that. <laughs> but if you just be willing to chip in a dollar to help us underwrite the cost of our hosting and production, once we have enough people doing that, that will completely cover the cost of us doing this. And so you could do that by visiting us online at pastor.us, and the link to be a supporter is found right underneath the podcast logo. Now, as I mentioned, today we're going to be talking about the idea of the affections of our hearts and what competes for the affections of our hearts and, and, and what our hearts feel naturally drawn to. And as I was preparing for our study today, I was thinking about some of the things that tend to be affections of my heart. And there's certainly major things that would fall on that list, family members, friends, my love for Christ. Those would be big and important things. But I also know that there are things that aren't all that important, but they do pretty successfully tug at my heart from time to time. And if you were to ask my wife what one of those things would be, she would tell you that I tend to get excited about technology, and particularly helpful technology products that either help me do my job better or allow me to enjoy some of the things that I tend to enjoy already. And she knows, if you were to ask her, one of the things that that my heart has uh, maybe skipped a little bit of an extra beat over uh, are the, the new earphones that I recently purchased. They are wireless earphones. And uh, I love how seamlessly they work uh, when I'm at the gym and I'm able to pop these in. I don't have to deal with a cord anymore. And um, I'm just really enjoying these things. And she laughs at how much I enjoy these these new earphones that I purchased. But they really make life just a little bit easier for me. And um, I've been getting a lot of use out of them. 
And so I would say that on a, on a lesser scale, technology and certain advances in technology that either make my life or my job a little bit easier are things that I tend to have an affection for, that my, my heart tends to have an affection for. I feel a little bit drawn to these things. Well, the portion of Scripture that we're looking at today talks about this idea of our heart's greatest affections by giving us some illustrations and examples from the Apostle Paul's ministry. We've been looking for the past few uh, podcast episodes at 2 Corinthians, and today we're in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. We're actually going to be looking at verse 1 down to verse 13, so about half of the chapter. And uh, I'm going to read it in just a moment. But again, it talks about this idea of the greatest affections of our hearts. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, starting with verse 1, this is what we read. It says, Working together with him, then, we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, In a favorable time I listened to you, and in a day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. We put no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry. But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way by great endurance, in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, by truthful speech and the power of God, with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left, through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise, we are treated as impostors and yet are true, as unknown and yet well-known, as dying and behold we live, as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor, yet making many rich, as having nothing, yet possessing everything. We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians. Our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted in your own affections. In return, I speak as to children, widen your hearts also. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word, and thank you for the opportunity to spend a little time together today studying it and reading it and meditating on its content. And Lord, we pray that as we look at this portion of Scripture, that you would help us to understand in a deeper way the affections of our hearts, the things that our hearts tend to be drawn toward, and the things that our hearts should be drawn toward. So, Lord, we pray that you'd make that clear to us. We thank you for your word, and we pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would speak to us now. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, over the past few episodes, as we've been looking at several portions of Scripture from the book of 2 Corinthians, one of the things that I've mentioned is that the Apostle Paul was trying to help this relatively young church to grow in spiritual maturity, but as he wrote this letter to them, as the Holy Spirit inspired him to write these words down, one of the things that you could see that's very prevalent in the Apostle Paul's writing is emotion. He's very, very emotional as he expresses his teaching here. And what he's trying to help the Corinthians to see and to understand in this particular portion of Scripture are the affections of their heart. 
and the things that their hearts are being drawn toward. And there's a couple questions that I want to throw out there today as we look at this portion of Scripture. And one of the things based on this portion of Scripture that I want us to be asking ourselves is this idea, is my heart forgetting the importance of today? Is my heart forgetting the importance of today? Look again at the first two verses as Paul opens up this portion of Scripture. He says, working together with him, then we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in a favorable time I listened to you, and in a day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. The beginning verses of chapter 6 here continue a thought that the Apostle Paul was making in chapter 5. As that chapter ended, you have the Apostle Paul speaking of believers as being ambassadors for Christ who bring with us the message of reconciliation. It's a, a ministry that the Lord's entrusted to us. God uses us to make his gospel known in this world that many more would receive his free gift of salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. And you have Paul, as chapter 6 opens up here, continuing that thought in this chapter. And what he's doing is he's emphasizing that he and others were working together with Christ as Christ's ambassadors on this task. As Christ brings us into his family, we are empowered to partner together with him in his mission. The Corinthians were professing believers in Christ who were at a point where they were genuinely wrestling with how their lives should look. They were in the kind of predicament we find ourselves in regularly. And that predicament is this. How much should our lives reflect the culture and the priorities of the context we live in? And to what degree should our lives reject those priorities? I received a, a message a while back from someone who was asking me for financial advice. He's a professing Christian and in fact, his father is a pastor, but he's dating a woman who does not love Jesus, and now they're living together, and he wanted my advice on what they would need to do to buy a house. And my advice to him was, don't do it. And that advice was twofold. Financially speaking, he couldn't afford it, so that was one aspect. But spiritually speaking, what he was doing is not in line with God's will. It's not in line with God's will for a professing Christian to be intimate with and living together with someone they are not married to. And I'm afraid that what my friend is doing is he's, like this scripture describes, he's receiving the grace of Christ in vain. He's rejecting truth because he's buying into a cultural fallacy that these are things that don't matter, that somehow, that even though the Lord's mentioned these things in his word, he doesn't actually care about these things. And when you look at the Corinthians, when you look at their lives, many of the Corinthians were buying into the mindset of their culture over the teaching of Christ, and that was something they were really wrestling with. And Paul knew that. So Paul is addressing that with them in this passage. He talks about that with them in other passages as well. But as he's trying to make that abundantly clear to them here in this passage, he also takes a moment to quote from the book of Isaiah. He's actually quoting in verse 2 here from Isaiah chapter 49, verse 8. And what you have when you look back at the book of Isaiah, Isaiah was actually, um, he was a prophet that the Lord was speaking through, and Isaiah was given the ability to predict that there would be a time when God would save his people. 
And his predictions, when they were initially given, would have been initially understood by the people of Israel as having applied to the time when they were released from their forced exile in Babylon. And when you look at the book of Ezra, it shows us the initial fulfillment of God's promise to save his people and uh, to allow them to return back to Israel from that period of time of exile. But in a deeper spiritual sense, Isaiah's prophecy, it's interpreted by the Apostle Paul in this passage as ultimately being a reference to God's offer of salvation in Jesus Christ and the urgency of trusting in Christ today. So you have Paul challenging those who read this passage here by saying, Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. That's what he's saying to us in these opening verses. And what he's telling us to do is he's saying that today is the day to trust Jesus. Today is the day to live in light of his grace and salvation. Today is the day to experience hope that is anchored in Christ's righteous and unchanging nature. Our hearts are forgetful, but we should never forget the importance of today when it comes to redeeming the opportunities that Christ has given us. Now, the Apostle Paul goes on a little bit further in this book, and he, his teaching begs another question that I want to pose to us, and that's this. Is my heart able to see the purpose of my pain? Look again at what he says in verses 3 through 10. Paul says here, he says, We put no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry. But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way by great endurance. And then he lists all sorts of things here. He says, In afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, by truthful speech and the power of God with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left, through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise. And he goes on to say here, we are treated as impostors and yet are true, as unknown and yet well-known, as dying and behold, we live, as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing, yet possessing everything. You could see in Paul's list there that he could see great purpose in his pain, or great purpose for the pain that he had experienced this side of heaven. I remember when I first met my wife's parents, That can be a very intimidating experience for all young men. I knew how much I liked her. I knew how much I wanted their approval. But they needed to get to know me a little first. They wanted to know all kinds of things about me. And I remember some of those early conversations that we had together. They wanted to know my spiritual beliefs, which is an extremely relevant question. Uh, They wanted to know my personal goals, my career goals, my family history. They even wanted to know my political leanings, and eventually they approved of me. But I can remember during that particular season thinking, oh, I don't know, my credentials are kind of spotty here. Uh, I hope that they give me approval to date and eventually marry their daughter. Well, when you look at the, the credentials of the Apostle Paul, you know, let's think for a second about those. What kind of credentials did the Apostle Paul have? From an earthly perspective, he certainly had some, but It appears that one of the issues, and we see this in several scriptures that address this, but one of the issues that was present at Corinth was this common attempt of some 
to either devalue or dismiss his authority as a church leader. They questioned his credentials. There were apparently people in in their midst in the city of Corinth, professing believers, in fact, that would brag about their own credentials as being potentially more significant than the Apostle Paul's. So it's interesting when you look at this portion of Scripture, because the Apostle Paul lists a few things. And what kind of credentials does Paul list in this passage? It's interesting, because instead of bragging about earthly credentials, how did he commend himself to the Corinthians? What he does here is he lists for them the many hardships that he had in the past and the many hardships that he was currently experiencing in his service for Christ. He lists things here like beatings, imprisonments, sleepless nights, hunger, and being treated like an imposter, and yet at the same time displaying the heart of Christ and the fruit of the Spirit in his efforts with purity, kindness, and love. Those are the kind of credentials that really matter when it comes down to it. That's what shows a person's work to be genuine, and that's the type of thing that the Apostle Paul had on display during the course of his life. And I find it interesting when we look at what Paul states here, that he makes a point to let the church know that his decision to serve Christ wasn't a choice to avoid pain. Paul could have chosen a much easier life in this world, but he did not do so. And it makes me wonder what we think it will be like to follow Jesus Christ in this world. How was Jesus treated during the course of his earthly ministry? How were Paul and the other apostles treated? Why do you suppose our hearts buy into the lie that somehow Christ has promised us a life of ease while we wait for his return? What did Jesus actually say? Look at what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, starting with verse 16. He said, Look, I am sending you out as sheep among wolves. So be as shrewd as snakes and harmless as doves, but beware, for you will be handed over to the courts and will be flogged with whips in the synagogues. You will stand trial before governors and kings because you are my followers. But this will be your opportunity to tell the rulers and other unbelievers about me. When you are arrested, don't worry about how to respond or what to say. God will give you the right words at the right time. For it is not you who will be speaking. It will be the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. A brother will betray his brother to death. A father will betray his own child. And children will rebel against their parents and cause them to be killed. And all nations will hate you, because you are my followers. But everyone who endures to the end will be saved. It's a fascinating scripture, and it's a fascinating portion of uh, Christ's teaching that we have the opportunity to read in Matthew chapter 10. But the truth is, that's the reality. That's the reality for a follower of Christ. If we're serious about it, in many respects, that's the kind of experience we're going to have in this world. We may suffer, but even when we suffer, we suffer with hope. There's a purpose for our pain, because in it, Christ is glorified. Through it, we are strengthened. Because of it, our faith grows stronger. God uses it to develop our spiritual maturity. He uses it to develop our endurance, to to help us grow in perseverance. It's a tool that the Lord uses to help us grow in holiness. There is a purpose for our pain. Pain helps us to come to terms with what our real priorities are. 
It convinces us of what we would be willing to actually live and die for. And it drives us toward Christ by reminding us that He's our source of lasting comfort, because the comforts of this world are not sufficient for the deepest needs of our hearts. And that's something that the Apostle Paul was trying to illustrate to the church at Corinth as he was inviting them to grow in their walk with Christ and to examine the affections of their hearts. And he goes on in the next couple verses of 2 Corinthians 6 to bring the question out, or I guess in my application of this, it makes me ask the question, what am I opening my heart up to? What are we opening our hearts up? Up to. Look again at what he says in 2 Corinthians 6, verses 11 down to verse 13, as we finish this up today. He says, We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians. Our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted in your own affections. In return, I speak as to children, widen your hearts also. Now, as we've been looking through this book, I've mentioned that 2 Corinthians, and I mentioned it again today, that it's considered by many theologians to be Paul's most emotional letter. His emotions are on full display in these verses, for sure, as he speaks to the Corinthians with a heart that he describes as being wide open. And what he's attempting to do is to be completely transparent with them, to assure them of his love for them as brothers and sisters in Christ and to invite them to reciprocate that love. There's nothing quite as painful as rejected love. I think probably all of us would agree with that. I have to say, uh, last week, um, I took my wife out for a movie and dinner, and uh, I won't say what restaurant this was, but we ate at a restaurant near the theater, and when I went to pay our bill, there was a server at the register who was cashing out her tips, and she acted like the kind of person who knew that she looked good, and it was clear that the guy working behind the register that was helping her uh, cash out all the tips that she had received during the course of her shift that day, uh, it was clear that that guy working the register liked her. He was quite awkward about it, and she clearly didn't want to spare the time of day for that man. (laughs) And as she cashed out, he said, Will I see you here tomorrow morning? And it didn't sound like she even answered him. And... As I was paying my bill, I could not help but feel bad for the guy. He made his feelings obvious to her, but she shot him straight down. Well, it's not a stretch to speak of Paul's experience with the Corinthian church in a similar fashion, because his heart was open to them, but they were withholding love. They were withholding respect for him. As family united in Christ, Paul invited them to widen their hearts also in love toward him and those who labored with him. So as we wrap up our look at this section of 2 Corinthians 6, it's probably a good idea for us to do a little heart examination as well. And what I mean by that is this. Let's ask ourselves the question, what are our hearts open to? What are we opening our hearts up to? Are our hearts open to the presence and the power of Christ? Are our hearts open to our brothers and sisters in Christ who love us with Christ's love and desire to make healthy investments in our lives? Or are our hearts open to the false assurances and false comforts of the momentary idols that tempt us? In the notes section of his book, Counterfeit Gods, Tim Keller has included what I think is a very helpful list of idol categories 
And these are things that I think a lot of times people wouldn't necessarily think of as idols. Typically, people think of physical things usually as idols, but he says there's lots of idols that sometimes we open our hearts up to. And he lists a whole bunch of them in the notes section of his book, Counterfeit Gods. He lists theological idols, sexual idols, magic ritual idols, political or economic idols, racial or national idols, relational idols religious idols, philosophical, cultural, and motivational idols. These are all different categories of potential idols that sometimes we open our hearts up to. And it's probably wise for us to ask ourselves the question, have we opened our hearts to these things, or are we open to the presence of Christ and his people? What are our heart's greatest affections? Do our affections influence us to forget that today is the day of salvation? Can our hearts see the purpose of our pain? What are we choosing to open our hearts up to? Charles Darwin, it's a name that probably many of us are familiar with, but he once said this. He said, a scientific man ought to have no wishes, no affections, a mere heart of stone. That's ridiculous. And that's certainly not in line with the teaching of Christ. Jesus Christ, on the other hand, has told us, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. The greatest affection of my heart and the greatest affection of your heart is to be Jesus Christ, our Lord, our God. And as we love him and are loved by him, we have the privilege to show his love to all those he places in our lives for his glory, for their good, and for the sake of our growth as we seek to be mature followers of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word, and thank you for giving us the opportunity to take a look at it today. And Lord, we wrestle with the fact that Our hearts tend to feel drawn to all sorts of things that we know are not godly things, things that are not of you, but we feel so taken with all kinds of idols. That's something we wrestle with regularly. But Lord, you caution us related to those things, and you have the Apostle Paul cautioning the church at Corinth not to let the affections of their hearts drift toward things that are ungodly and unholy. But Lord, again, we wrestle with that right now. It's not just something that believers who lived in generations prior to us wrestled with. We wrestle with that. So, Lord, help us to understand where we are allowing our hearts to drift, what the greatest affections of our hearts truly are. And we pray that by your grace that we would love you with all our heart and with all our soul and with all our mind, and that that love for you would translate likewise into a genuine love for others. We're grateful, Lord, for your love for us. We thank you for your presence with us today, and we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks again for listening to the Informal Bible Study. It's a pleasure each week for us to be able to bring these episodes to you on Monday. If you're ever in Langhorne, Pennsylvania, where I live, I pastor a church called Core Creek Community Church. And if you're ever in the area, we'd certainly love to meet you in person, and uh, we'd welcome your visit. 
But wherever you live, if you have any interest whatsoever in supporting this ministry, this podcast ministry, we'd be grateful for your help in two ways that we mention all the time. Uh, One, leave us a rating or review on iTunes. And then number two, if you want to help us underwrite the cost of our hosting and production, we'd be grateful if you're able to chip in a dollar toward that. It, It goes a long way, probably longer than I think you'd realize that a dollar really could go. But again, thanks for being with us today. We hope you have a wonderful week, and we look forward to catching up with you again next week. And if you get a chance during the course of this week, drop us a message. You can visit us online at our website, which is pastor.us, and there's a contact link right on our website. So stop by sometime and let us know how you're doing, and let us know if there's a way we could be praying for you. We'd love to be doing that as well. Thanks again, and we'll talk to you soon. Our world can feel chaotic and uncertain, but we don't have to live enslaved to fear. Christ has promised me and you his peace and throughout scripture has provided powerful tools and practical steps to help us experience greater freedom. I'm Jennifer Slattery, lead host of the Faith Over Fear podcast, inviting you to join me and my team as together we learn how to starve our fears and feed our faith. Subscribe at lifeaudio.com or wherever you access podcast content.